0: To this week's episode of another Fine Mes, the best European securitization podcast you will listen to today. I am Victoria Thiele, the European CLO reporter at Global Capital. And as we record this, our regular host, Tom Lemon, is currently trying to cure his cold on a six hour flight to Miami in hopes to survive the ABS East Conference. And we all wish him very well with that. Um, so today, it's just me recording with our ABS reporter, George Smith. Hi, George.
1: Hi Victoria. Yeah, it's it's unusual for Tom to miss an episode for reasons other than playing golf. Golf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I think he's I read on right? LinkedIn yeah. this morning that he's created a golf game to win a prize in Miami. Uh, yeah, in I saw that too. So if yeah. you're in Miami, go and play go and play Tom at golf.
0: Exactly. Uh, you can you can win. Didn't you say like a three hundred pound or dollar um, Apple gift card? So yeah, yeah, if 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 you hadn't secured your <laughs> space at ABS East yet, um, you should absolutely go. All right, um, but we do always like to start our episode with, uh, with a good scoop, um, and this week I'm pleased to announce that George is strapping his two-month-old daughter to his bag and coming down from Edinburgh to London next week, um, or actually this week when you're listening to this probably, um, so the week starting the 23rd. <laughs> um, when when exactly are you arriving?
1: Yeah, it's true, once you're listening to this I, w- I will be in London, um, we're arriving on saturday afternoon
0: excellent uh, yeah um and yeah from all I've here baby viewing hours are quite restricted um and overbooked already mostly by me um <laughs> but you can still get your hands on a coffee drinking slot maybe with george to catch up on markets um so definitely reach out um and make use of this very rare opportunity um which of course now leads us beautifully into the story you've written today george for our weekly edition um which was about equity release mortgages this week. Um, I actually know what that is for once. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for for our listeners who might not know, um, what actually is an equity release mortgage? Yeah,
1: so it's a loan which you receive normally kind of at retirement or in your retirement um, as a lump sum. And then it's secured against the value of your house and repaid by the sale of the house when you die or you go into long-term care. It's also called a lifetime mortgage or a reverse mortgage, um, but it seems like the UK convention is equity release, although in the US they have slightly different understanding of the term equity release, I think.
0: So so you're writing about um, how securitization of those equity release mortgages is increasing. How are, we, how are they funded currently?
1: Yeah, so 95%, is what I heard, are funded by UK insurers, basically, of the UK market. And that's mostly on a loan-by-loan basis. So they go to the originators and they just buy portfolios of these. Um, And then they'll structure them on their own balance sheets into securitizations. But those are kind of internal. They don't have the kind of orphan SPV. They're not like proper securitizations as, as we might understand them
0: right and if that has been working like that for years what is changing now what did you hear
1: yeah so there's there's quite a lot of different factors i mean it's kind of a confluence i think of long-term and, and short-term effects so on the long-term side the structure of the pensions um, look the way pensions work in the uk is changing so it's moving from defined benefit where you receive a certain fixed amount every year until you die to defined contribution, which is more like a savings plan where you contribute, your employer contributes, and when you retire you get that money in whatever structure you want to receive it in. Um, And that means less insurance is needed, right, because there's more certainty for the pension fund about how much you're going to draw. And so insurers who would have been funding equity release mortgages, particularly because they're such long dated paper, they match up very well with the liabilities of an insurer that means that there's in the long term in a kind of maybe on a 15 year horizon there'll be less money flowing in by that route to these kind of loan by loan portfolio sales that I was mentioning um, so that means you need to th- sort of think about now an alternative or alternative routes to funding and, and one option is securitization because securitization is much more kind of standardized model you can just look on the shelf of securitizations and we see it all the time of We've spoken about kind of how all buy-to-let RMBS are, are similar and that kind of thing. You can look at you can look at a, a securitization and and that broadens it to more investors. Uh, although, with that said, one one source quoted in the in the story did say, you know, you, you really don't want to be comparing uh, RMBS to equity release mortgage securitizations. They're just completely different. Asset managers, if they buy them, they'll just put them in their CLO fund or their RMBS fund, and it just doesn't work. Um, so note the uh, narrow scope of my analogy, though, please, <laughs> rather. <laughs> um, and then on the there are some shorter-term term facts as well, which are kind of pushing, um, well, boosting the prominence of securitization in this market. Uh, one of them is rising interest rates, which have... Well, if you think about the kind of scope of equity release mortgages, if you're a lender, you can either compete on low rate or high l t. v that you're willing to offer, and the low rate end of the market has kind of been squeezed out by the rising rates so all that's left is the high l t v and those are the ones that give themselves quite well to securitization because the way that the regulator provides capital treatment to or the view you can take on on high l t v loans is different if they're in a securitization because the the value of them is capped by the regulator um whereas if it's in a securitization you can take a more economic view because it's as a part of a whole package and so there's a kind of an arbitrage there um and then also the regulator has kind of i heard tightened up a bit on how people are holding equity release mortgages these kind of internal securitizations that I was mentioning there they want to see a few more details of that. They want that to be a bit more watertight. So that also is pushing people towards just thinking, well, we may as well go to the public market.
0: Do we know if there is anybody actually plotting a concrete deal or is it just considerations?
1: Yeah, there's quite a number. Of, so there were a couple of deals in 2021, I think. Um, and then there's been a fair number of private deals and also the ratings agencies have have seen a lot more inquiries, um, they said to me, uh, can read the details of which particular ratings agencies in the story, but um, yeah, I mean, there's, this is something that is definitely happening. Like this is one of the reasons it's interesting. Like is often when you get these kind of new asset classes, it's very easy to just speculate and go like, here are some good reasons why it could happen. But there is very discernible progress towards the creation of an equity release mortgage securitization market.
0: That is interesting, George. Thank you. And if you, as our listener, um, are now very keen to find out which rating agencies it was that spoke to George about this, um, you can read the story on Global Capital, and it is called Equity Release Mortgage Securitizations Primed for Takeoff.
1: Yes, thank you. Um, let's, uh, let's move on to your side of the market, Victoria. Finally, um,
0: thank God. <laughs>
1: Um, everybody has to sit through well,
0: all this ABS stuff where everything, anything, <laughs> everybody really wants to hear about is CLOs, I think.
1: I'm sure I'm sure they do well. Your your moment has come, listener. Um, what's happening in the CLO market, Victoria?
0: Um, well, I, I know I was on most editorial meetings this week uh, complaining about how there were no deals happening. Um, but actually, <laughs> actually, um, the results for the Ares CLO came out yesterday um, and it priced at 170 base points. So it was in line with most of the other deals in September, um, which I suppose is quite a good result, um, given that everybody has been talking about how spreads um, are widening a bit, although anything below the triple As did price outside the initial price thoughts, um, which is kind of more um, in accordance with that.
1: Yeah, and uh, obviously that that's another deal Priced? Is that the end of the little boom of CLOs in September?
0: There are still a good number of deals in the pipeline. So yeah, we had this really busy time in September where spreads were tightening um, quite a bit over summer, and that led everybody to rush to the market. And now that um, things are getting a bit more patchy again, um, it's it's drying up a little bit or getting a bit slower. Um, Pamira is still marketing a deal. MV Credit is working on one. Um, Arini is preparing its debut deal, um, for example. But, from conversations I had this week, it seems like the sentiment is generally um that what is already out there and in serious stages of preparations will get done, although probably a bit slower than they might have initially imagined, so some people have been saying that some deals are being delayed in pricing a little bit um because of um yeah risk um risk sentiment getting worse um there is some doubt, though, that there will be a huge, many, a huge wave of new ones um, launching in the next few weeks.
1: Yeah. So, given the the slight quiet on the on the deal front, you wrote a story about up tier priming. What was that about?
0: Um, yeah, it's one of those really thrilling topics that are just really, <laughs> really fascinating to everybody across capital markets. Um, <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so uptier priming um, is a mechanism in deal documentation language, um, and I probably shouldn't have started answer like that because it actually is quite interesting um, because it gives the <laughs> managers some more flexibility in restructuring situations um, where a company um, is, well, in trouble and gets into restructuring and then... Um, offers a certain group of investors to insert some more money um, and in exchange for that get rolled into super senior debt and um, CLO managers didn't really like they were quite restricted in participating in those kinds of things um, and and it's not really something that happens very much in Europe, um, but there were a couple of cases in the US and European CLO managers were affected by one, which was Genesis care. Um, and you can read some details of that in the story. I don't want to go into too much detail there. Um, but yeah, so so this has sort of caused European CLOs to implement that in their own language as well to just sort of in case this happens, just have the flexibility to participate. Um, and it was an interesting story from a journalistic perspective because i started out with a very very different angle than i ended up with um i as i saw that um fitch the rating agency um had put out some commentary around how they had identified a flaw in the definition of up to priming um in the documentation again something that's laid out in detail and with some beautiful quotes from fitch um in the story um but As I talk to different people in the market about it, I just realized that it's entirely uncontroversial, (laughs) Um, (laughs) so um, Mm. investors are just um, not really pushing back against that, CLO managers are quite happy to um, implement it. Some people suggested that some lawyers were a bit more relaxed than Fitch about um, what they were suggesting, but as I was talking to people, um, there is apparently one investor, the only big investor who's really, really against having up to priming deal documentation. Um, (laughs) And that seems to be, um, from all information I have, um, Nochu, the Japanese bank that um, used to be called the CLO whale, because a couple of years ago they were basically the biggest CLO investor globally. They've um, they've retreated a little bit, but have been coming back on on a couple of these recently. I
1: remember a big story you did on on the return.
0: Yeah, exactly. That was um, the the Harvest CLO by Investcorp um, in, I think it was in August um, or July, where they sort of were anchoring that and that was big news because um, it had, hadn't really happened in quite a while. Um, yeah, so what they're known for though is that they come into your deal, they offer you quite a good spread, um, probably one that's tighter than you can currently get in the market. Um, but in exchange for that, they have some demands um, mm so those japanese investors are known for coming into your deal and they offer you quite a good spread one that you probably couldn't necessarily get like that um elsewhere in the market at the moment but in exchange for that they have a couple of demands so they tend to be quite strict um about having very very protective language um for their own investment in in those deal documentations and part of that is that they have been opposing up to priming um which doesn't really Harm triple-a investors. It's men mainly meant for the protection of sort of the equity and the um, And the MES ones because they would be the first ones who lose out if you don't recover as much money in a restructuring process Um, and it might sort of Slightly change your repayment schedule if you're a triple-a investor, but it's not it's not a an impact that would be comparable to sort of for example the um, This news drag where there has been a lot of opposition from investors, but anyway, it's a new thing these guys aren't really known for liking experiments, so they have been opposing that. So um, deals like CVC or um, the harvest deals, um, there were a couple of cases where they just just basically refused to have that in there. Um, and then there's clauses that the up to priming can only come into effect if the anchor has either left um, or if, if, if they specifically consent to it. Um, but what I then heard was that in a couple of upcoming deals um, in the future, that have not been officially launched that yet, um, they're kind of growing accustomed to that and um, are sort of more open to having up-tier priming in their documentation. So that seems to be quite good news for...
1: So we might hear more about up priming. Exactly, so exactly. Up-tier priming is the news <laughs> track.
0: Exactly. I, I was thinking that, but actually I don't think so. Yeah, I feel like, We've all sort of it, sort of moved on from Snooze Drack. Every journalist has written three articles about this um, for now. People <laughs> are just sorting it amongst themselves. Um, so I was temporarily thinking it could be, but I don't think it's... Um, I don't think people are people are angry enough about it um, to <laughs> to follow it for long. It's going to be really interesting once we actually start encountering situations, um, once it's actually starting to get used more. So, um, yeah. But yeah, I thought that was uh, just quite an interesting detail that came out of that.
1: Well, you can you can read the, the interesting detail and, and all the other things that were mentioned on, on the Global Capital website and a story called Japanese Investor to give up resistance to up priming in Euro-Cielo.
0: And that is it. That's all we got time for today. So, as usual, you can subscribe to this podcast basically anywhere you listen to it, Spotify, Apple Music, um, or wherever. And if you have any questions or comments or would like to speak to any of us about markets, you can email us. And the email structure is all the same for us. Um, it's victoria.thiele at globalcapital.com. It's george.smith at globalcapital.com. And if you, for whatever reason, want to talk to Tom, same goes for that, <laughs> Um <laughs>
1: And I'll I'll see everyone in London this Exactly.
0: Definitely make sure to make use of that email address I just dictated you for Dorf. Reach out to him, set up all the coffee, slam his schedule, um, give him a lot to talk about next week on this podcast. And until then, have a great few days and goodbye.